Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Inside Groove. The only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Inside Groove. This is episode 37 and last week we started a trend that we can continue this week we started to figure out with episode 36 how many drivers that we could think of that actually drove the number 36 at uh oswego or you know probably anywhere else but i i tend to focus on oswego because that obviously is my home track my name is tom baker it is good to be with you once again uh we are going to hear a really enjoyable interview that i had the chance to do the other day with a fellow former media colleague of mine that uh, many of you will remember from um the super modified scene rich macko Whack joined me uh, this week, actually uh, went out and spent uh, some time with him at the Whack Shack, which is about uh, 40 minutes or so, 45 minutes from where I live uh, in the greater Charlotte area. And um, we had a lot of fun, but uh, looking forward to that. Um, Talked with Camden Proud and nothing new really to report on uh, Camden's end of things at Oswego. So, um Again, uh, he'll join us uh, next week or as soon as he has some news to report, more registrations, more uh, things going on. So, uh, you know, when you look at the number 37, it's, uh, you know, when when I started going to Oswego back in 1973, there were certain cars that just sort of stuck out. And that orangish colored 37 was always one that... that uh, that did, and I think the shape of it more than anything, it had a really kind of sleek design, I thought, for back in the day, and um, had the little roof on top, and uh, I know Freddie Graves, I think, was the first driver of that car, won his first feature in that car in 1972, and I remember uh, Sammy Carista driving it. He was the first one that I recall from my beginning of my time going to a swigger that ran it and Sammy had some pretty good runs with it. Uh, and then, um, Jim Muldoon, I know Fred Graves got back into it. I think for the 74 classic ended up, uh, getting a piece of that bad accident. Um, with, uh, I think, uh, if I remember right, he got a piece of the accident with, uh, Butch Harris where Butch caught fire. Um, but, uh, then, uh, I think Sammy got back in it for a short time in 75 and uh, Jim Muldoon ended up driving it. And that car eventually 
I believe, got sold to Joe Hawksby. It was uh, not Joe's first car. I think Joe's first car was the former Roy Murphy 13. And then, um, actually, I don't know if Pat Murphy had it first or Joe Hawksby, but uh, I think Pat did. I think Joe bought it from Pat. I'm not sure. But either way, uh, those two drivers both had it, and... Uh, I don't really remember where it went after that, <laughs> uh, but that was a unique car. So, uh, yeah, a handful of guys getting in that 37 car. I think Doug Sire even drove it one night um, back in the 73 season when his car was uh, being repaired from a crash. I think he spent some time both in the 37 and in the uh, Ernie June 59, if I remember, during that year. And eventually i think got his own car back but uh so a number of drivers that was kind of an interesting car i think randy ritzkis obviously uh, a later 37 um with uh lock racing and uh can't remember anybody in between so uh if anybody's got any fill in the blanks for that um feel free to uh type them in the comments underneath the post of this show and uh Help us out here so we can have have a little fun with uh, these little number puzzles every week. Kind of the reverse of what Camden's doing with the countdown. Um, <laughs> we're going up and he's going down. Uh, it's kind of how that works. And um, so he, uh, he we, we can all uh, help uh, fill in the blanks for, for Cam as he posts the countdown. And we'll fill in the blanks for... This uh, number kind of uh, count up, if you will, as as we go up. Let's have some fun. I mean, right now we haven't got a lot else to do, right, except uh, reconnect with our families and uh, just kind of hang out and get some R&R time. Um, so I uh, hope everybody is safe and doing well. And, of course, uh, we need to be praying for, um, you know, not just – the folks here, <coughs> excuse me, but uh, across the world, uh, across the world as well, because uh, obviously this is a very serious situation, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, everybody's as safe as possible. So I encourage everybody to, you know, follow the guidelines. Um, don't panic. Don't fear. Don't uh, you know this is not going to kill us all. Uh, but it is very serious. We need to try to do what we can, obviously, to um, protect ourselves and our neighbors as well. So uh, with that, uh, again, I want to thank you for joining me. And, you know, it's um, it's a time that we can sit and look forward to the time when this is all over. We can get back to racing and back to our lives. And uh, this will pass. America is strong and you know, America will get through this. So we have to stay positive. Um, we are going to do our best here on this show to provide a little bit of a, a weekly relief valve. Uh, you know, Cam and I are both kind of goofy people. So we, uh, we're we going to have some fun and have some laughs. And, um, you know, you can, uh, uh, you know, enjoy the show each week, we hope. And uh, we're going to try to keep as many drivers and uh, um people involved as we can uh through this i um 
I just connected with one that uh, could be a very interesting interview for as early as next week that isn't a driver, but someone connected uh, with a couple of former drivers, so that should be fun. But today, we've got uh, a really cool interview with Rich Macko, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. Rich is a guy who has you know, never been afraid to speak his mind, but he's also had the chance to uh, see and do a lot in the sport. He's known a lot of people. He's been able to, um, you know, take in different forms of racing. And uh, we had some great conversation, not just about Oswego, but the drivers, um, you know, and, and some of them as people and, you know, just some memories he has. And we talked a little bit about the Isle of Man, too. And that's a race um it really isn't even a race shouldn't call it that it's um you know it's almost um an exhibition i don't want to even call it an exhibition but it uh you know the 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 drivers are timed over there on that course it's a very extreme form of competition um motorcycle wise and it's downright scary and rich had a chance a couple of years ago with his son um richie to go in and check that out so we talked about that as well uh i think you'll find the interview exciting and interesting um and a lot of fun to sit and listen to uh want to thank whack for taking the time to do it we're going to step aside for a moment when we come back we will have the interview with rich macko and again thanks for joining us um on inside groove here this week we look forward to uh coming back and talking to you as soon as the interview is over it's about an hour and 15 minutes or so uh so sit back relax with your favorite beverage and check it out we'll be back with the interview with uh, rich macko right after this is your job sucking the life out of you wake up you can do something else information technology i know what you're thinking but i'm not a math or science person no excuses no problem it's not rocket science It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode number 37. And uh, counting here, we, uh, we're we excited to uh, be doing what we're doing here this week. Our featured guest is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the whack, Rich Macko. And those of you who have known Rich for a while know that the whack nickname fits. Um, whack and I go all the way back to the beginning of my media career in 1988. He was one of the first that I met in the Oswego Speedway Tower, one of the first to kind of help me along and... Uh, try to keep me straight and so um been good friends with uh whack ever since and now we're both down here in north carolina although we rarely see each other because we're about 40 miles apart or so and run in different circles but um good to have you on whack it's uh 
it's going to be fun to talk a little bit about your perspective and your experiences as a race fan at Oswego and, and with the various personalities that you've seen over the years. When, how did you get interested in racing in the first place? Uh, always been in, interested in racing. Uh, and uh, it began when in 1956, my dad took me to the Syracuse Mile to see the big cars. You know, the Indy cars, when they ran both surfaces with the same cars. Uh, that just impressed the living heck out of me. Uh, I was hooked. And after that, uh, my dad was, was into the racing, too. He he enjoyed it thoroughly. And <clears throat> and him and uh, Ed Landers, who has been a staple around the Speedway for years in the pits, and his crew is a respected crewman with many of the teams, you know, that he's worked with. Anyways, uh, Ed's father and my father were good friends, and they took us up to Swigo. I believe it was in the late 50s, 58, 59. We were just teenagers then. Okay. And <clears throat> we loved it. Instantly loved the Swigo. Anyways, uh, so the following week, Dad, Dad, you know, hey, can you take us back and this and that? And, and being fathers with other responsibilities, uh, they couldn't take us every week. So me and Eddie decided that, well, we're going to the races. You know, we, we got a thumb. We know how to, we know. <laughs> we, yeah, back in those days, that yeah, was actually yeah, oh, safe. Right? It was easy. Not, not a thing. And we lived in Syracuse about 40 miles away. Yep. And we would get down there about uh, 4 o'clock, Park Street, stick our thumb out. Somebody pick us up, Electronics Parkway, no 481 or anything then, so it was up 57. Hitchhike up to the, you know, up to the speedway and drop us off, and then we sneak in. We, we never had any money, and especially not for a mission, maybe for a hot dog or two. And uh, we'd sneak in, and we did this for years. Years. I mean, every Saturday night, and it was just like clockwork. After a while, people got used to seeing us that we're going to the Speedway from Syracuse, yep. and they'd pick us up. So we, you know, we just have to be there. They'd pick us up, take us up, and if we were at their car after the races, then they'd take us back. But a lot of times, myself and Ed <clears throat> would go in the pits. We wanted to see the action, see the cars, meet the drivers. We'd go in the pits for a while, hang out. Eh, obviously, they, the other people were gone. No problem. Back then, stick your thumb out, bing, picked up, gone home. <laughs> so so that was the deal. In uh, in one night, I was being interviewed by Roy or somebody up at the Speedway. And I think I was there. Wasn't it the classic weekend? Yeah, probably I think it was. Yeah. In anyways, I was. They Roy asked me about how I got involved in that, and so I went on to explain, you know, that we hitchhiked up and snuck in the net. Well, little did I know that George Caruso overheard the conversation. And three days later, I get this letter in the mail. Dear Dick, we overheard you expounding on the, the other night on your trips to Oswego and the number of times you and Ed Landers snuck into the track. Well, some averaging and quick calculations done, we figured that you owe us approximately $1,920, <laughs> give or take a night or two for a rain out. Payment, pay, payment may be made in the next 30 days. Thank you, George Caruso, Jr. <laughs> Let me guess, the check's still in the mail. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Still in the mail uh, doggone usps just lost the thing yep that's funny well you know that's the, like i said back in those days different time yeah. different situation yeah much easier i think to you know to do those things and certainly a whole lot safer 
Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You never worried about anything. And in all them times and all the hitchhiking and, you know, and I did it when I was in the service in the Marines. We, out in California, we hitchhiked. Never, never a bad uh, situation. Never a bad experience, you know. It was a whole different time. It was. And it's unfortunate because the kids today, I wouldn't pick nobody up. You can't. No. You can't afford to do it. No. You know? Nope. It's sad, but you can't trust anybody. No. Um, what do you remember about the racing the first few years or whatever? Oh, what you, it, it, there was such a, such a variety of cars. And, uh, you know, in, in, in the, the, the Michigan cars were just starting to come in. And, you know, they, they weren't aerodynamic. They were squared off. They had roofs on them. Cut downs. Yep. I remember all the, all the Chevy engines had them short, stubby pipes on them. <laughs> you know, it was exciting because yeah. they, they t- come by and the flames would be coming out of the headers and the noise. You know, there was no right? overhead. There was no roof then, so you didn't get the metallic sound. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it was just, you know, the kids... Teenagers getting forward to, you know, looking forward to driving. It was just such an exciting period, you know. Well, yeah, it was. And I think, you know, when you think back to the drivers that you you were watching race at that time, you know, those guys were some of the earliest guys that used supermodifieds to go on to other forms of racing like Indy. Absolutely. You know, Gordon Johncock, uh, you know, Sammy Sessions, uh, you know, Bentley eventually, and a bunch of others. I mean, uh, it, it was, it, it, like I said, it was it was known as kind of the stepping stone to Indy yeah. as far as pavement was concerned. You know, they still were running the dirt thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, and they came from all over, like you said, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, yeah. you name it, New England, and, and a variety of drivers, a variety of cars innovations it was a great time what were did you have a, a favorite early on growing up or did you just kind of enjoy watching them all race you know i kind of liked them i liked them all i respected them all but you know you had to go for swifty you know i mean you know the silver fox you know you had to go for him and uh you know jack murphy Jack Irish Murphy. Jack. Yep, Irish Jack was kind of a, a hero of mine because I, I on the mile at Syracuse and then up at Oswego and uh, 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 to get off the subject quickly here. Sure. He was kind of an idol of mine. And, and it was so great that through the years in, in, in you know, writing and such brought us together and, and, and Jack and myself got to be pretty darn good fans yeah. and, and Dolores too, friends. And, and you know, and, and it was fantastic. In fact, my 40th birthday party was held at Jack's house out on the river and they got me a stripper for, <laughs> for my 40th birthday party. Imagine that folks, yeah. whack getting a stripper for his 40th birthday from Jack Murphy. I can't believe that. Can you, um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, well, you know, you think about those guys. I mean, they were the, they were the pillars. They were the pioneers on which the speedway was built. You know, and I feel like, of course, I wasn't I wasn't born until sixty seven, so I didn't start going until seventy three. I missed that whole sort of sixties yeah. era. But I saw enough of the drivers that were still racing, and I and and I think I was close enough to it to appreciate it because we still had a few of the uprights and kind of older style cars when I started. Um, I think the 60s obviously were the very beginnings, but to me, I feel like the period from about 69 or 70 until, say, 77, 78, when the offset came in, I feel like that eight- or nine-year period was absolutely, in my opinion at least, the salad days of the supermodified division because you literally could see anything pulling into the track to race at that, at that, in that period. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that was the beauty of it. I mean, you know, every, every week at the pits was, was like Christmas because there would be a new package. And there weren't very many enclosed trailers then. In fact, I don't know if there was any. In, in, but, you know, you'd see them come in and everybody was proud to display their cars yeah. on an open trailer. And, man, you'd see them coming up East Albany Street and you'd say, Yep. Wow, who's that? What's that? And, and that's another thing. The cars varied, but the drivers, you never knew who was going to show up. I mean, like we said, John Cock, all them, but Marvin Carmen. I mean, a lot of USAC guys would come here on the sly, you know. Yep. And it, 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 it was a great time, and I'm, uh, I'm privileged to have been able to experience it, and I wish everybody else could have. Yeah, I do too. I always, and that's why I think I, you know, one of the reasons I brought this show back was to talk to the legends, talk to those guys from that period, because we're, we've, you know, obviously started to lose some of them. And I, I really, I want their stories to be out there. And some of the, the things that we've seen happen just in the last year with restored cars and, and really the whole thing, even with Kempton dates, I mean, if you've been following that, yep. you know, it, he just, What's happened there is beyond incredible. And, you know, that's just so much fun to see somebody of that period now have this kind of renaissance of attention and popularity um, and, you know, and be so excited about bringing a race car back and pacing the field, uh, you know, on, on retro night. Yeah, fantastic. You know, Captain Jim Paternoster, Steve Miller. I mean, th- these guys are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping that history alive with these cars. And, yes. and like you said, not only them, there's some other teams, too. You know, like uh, Larry Trenka has one of the Joya cars, you know. in, in, in Two of them. Yeah, two. Ooh, two, yes, two now. Yeah. yeah, and that's it, you know, and they're, they're keeping this, you know, alive. Yeah. If not so much on the track, but in spirit and at the shows and, and, and everything else. It, it, it's very cool. What, when you think back to that period, I mean, you obviously started to get to know those guys in, in that period. Uh, you know, can you think of some, some stories, some funny kind of stories to, to tell? I mean, because you got to be friends with all of them. I and mean, even on the modified side, you and Richie Evans were very close. Um, you know, can you, can you think of any, uh, any stories or anything that, that come to your mind? Oh, God. There, there's so many of them. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I had thought about this in advance. I could have had some little cliff notes for myself. That's all right. <laughs> we like the off-the-cuff uh, stuff. Uh, at, the, at the Speedway, you know, uh, the, the action began when the racing was over. I mean, the racing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Back then. The pits. We would stay in the pits yep. until Harry would turn the lights out, yep. which is a couple hours in. Then we would move out into the parking lot on East Albany Street. The police did not have a problem with any of that as long as you stayed off East Albany Street, stay in the parking lot. And we would be there until the sun came up many times. Yeah. One time, uh, many times with all the Eddie Bellinger was famous for for hanging right in there until sunrise, (laughs) you know, in that gang. Eddie never missed a good point. No, no. we, we, We hung tough with them many, many nights. Uh, one night I'll remember is, uh, this was probably the, the fall show, uh, and it was the twin shows with the Modifieds. And anyways, we were all in the pits drinking, and, uh, you know, we were all hanging with Richie, and then they said, oh, they're going to shut down, you know, and whatever. So we had to go out. We moved out uh, outside, and it was cold. So what Richie did is he parked his, he had the, the courtesy car, the the... The former ambulance. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That yep. was painted up, like, and, and yep. it was it was loaded down with beer in the back, <laughs> and uh, which which was not unusual. But he had a lot of it, and it was funny. And so when it closed down, they locked the the inner gate, you know, the track gate, and we were in between, you know, where that and the other one yeah. were there. And Harry says, well, you know, he came down after a while, and he says, well, you're going to have to move it on. Richie says, geez, well, you know, this is keeping us out of the wind, Harry, and that. Well, Harry just said, here, I'll unlock the lock, and when you guys leave, he says, just roll that other outside door shut and, and lock it up for me. You know, okay, you know, he trusted Richie, you know, yeah, and not so much me or anybody else, yeah. but rapid but, Roman, that's, he's okay. There he is. And we were, we were, we were there. Uh, oh God, I don't know how long. And the funny thing was, it was just Richie and two other couples and uh, myself and Bear. And I'm trying to remember who the heck else was there. The crew was gone home and that was it. It was just Richie and two couples. And we just stayed there until the wee hours, and then we and then uh, he took off, and that wow. was that was just a few weeks before he was killed at Martinsville. Oh wow! So that would have actually been eighty five or so. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Eighty five. Yep. Yep. That's the last time mm. I seen him. Yep. Oh wow! Uh, but it was a good time. So you know. So yeah, that was after the the fall race. I think if I remember right, he and Bentley split those races. Yeah. Because I remember seeing a picture of the two of them together, and I think Bentley in his book said that was the last time that he saw Richie was in when they had those pictures done. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that would have been 1985. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's amazing. Um, you know, to think back and and think about all of the things you used to do. Um, you know, and, and again, part of I, a lot of racing for me is the family and the social aspect and the friendships that come uh, from it. Um, and you know, there's a great example right there of best, best people, people just having a good time. Yep. Best people in the world. And, and, uh, and I always said race, racing is, is a great, great experience for the kids and a great, great learning, uh, episode, if you might say, yeah, it, it teaches them that hard work usually pays off right and that there are no lazy racers because lazy racers don't even place they're they're you know you got to work hard you got to take the good with the bad and you get dirty and then you know if things go right you're real well rewarded for your efforts yeah and i i think it's just uh you know ethical you know for the kids and it's just uh just great like you said got friends man all over this country today, yeah you know yeah, that's what's hard to explain to people. Well, how can you, you know, how can you watch cars going in a circle? Well, because I know the guys that are going in the circle. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thrill of it is to see which one of them can do the fastest circles. You know, and then you, you know, you go visit them or you go hang out with them after. Or you, you know, yep. go to dinner with them in the off season or whatever. They become your friends. It's the only sport I know where you, you know, can actually walk across into the infield and, you know, and get to know the, the stars you're not doing that in the locker room of the NFL. No, and it's hard to do it, it like in NASCAR's top series. Uh, it is now, yeah. That's the thing. Yep. You know, you know when you go to short track racing and you, you watch the racing and then you go in the pits after, you know who's a phony and who isn't a phony. Yeah. I mean, because the truth comes out. You meet them, you get the in-depth personality, not the old sponsor persona. And, and yeah. the, you know, the, oh boy, you know, I'm, uh, you know, everybody's trying to be a poster boy for the, the, the Boy Scouts, you know, and, and be just this wonderful person. And, and, you know, they have feelings, you know, they express them, but you, you know, that 
you know, what's deep down in them. Right. And that's the great thing about short track racing, too, and becoming a fan. Yeah, what's hard now, though, is I see, like, even around here, you go to the dirt tracks or you go to pavement tracks, it doesn't matter. It, it, in this day and age, you're not seeing as much of that post-race sort of stuff. They, they're, everybody's doing these mid-race autograph sessions on the front straight for 20 minutes. It's kind of a cattle drive. And then, you know, at the end of the races, of course, now a lot of these tracks run five, six, seven classes by that time, everybody's half the drivers have gone home. Nobody, you know, they they miss out on that post race experience that you and I had growing up. Still, still very much similar at Oswego, though. Um, you know, but uh, not so much everywhere else that I've been, unfortunately. No, no, that that's definitely changed, and I think a lot of that too is because they're trying to become more uh, family friendly. And get the kids and everybody yeah. home a little bit earlier, too. So I understand the logic behind that. Oswego, you know, had the advantage running the one class, which was the best racing in the world. The 45-lap regular feature with the with the, the three heats, the two semis, the Concy and the feature was the best racing they ever yeah, had up I at agree. Speedway. Yep. It was fantastic. And like you said, when it was over, they were still there because it was only one class. And them guys back then were known for being a hard drinking bunch of not that they're not today but i don't think they there's not enough opportunity to exercise it <laughs> well the stories that you hear that i that i remember from of course see here's the funny thing is i for for the first number of years i was just a little kid so you would hear the stories but you would hear them secondhand about you know Swifty and Baldy Baker uh, ended up tending bar at the Colonial House or something, you know. And and I mean the watering holes around Oswego were very popular post race spots for you know for a lot of the a lot of the guys who didn't necessarily stay real late at the track. Um, but you're right; those guys were a different breed. And um, you know, you look at a guy like Richie that that guy could put away some alcohol and then get up the next morning and go run three hundred. I never understood that. It's like, you know, and so I think somebody asked him once, you know, how do you do that? How do you run so fast and, and win race? He said, well, you know, have you ever tried running 300 laps with a hangover? I want to get out of that car as soon as I can. You know, it's like, um, you know, so it was almost like a race to get to the next party in a way. Absolute know, truth. Him, you know? Yeah, yeah, ab- ab- absolute truth. I-, I got a little Thompson story we'll go to, but first I want to sure. remember uh, the classic when Dave Schuler drove for Skip Matzik. 1984. And ra- right, and ran yep. second forever. To Bentley. I don't know how many six-packs they got, but they went back to a the lot. hotel, which was back at the, I believe, the Holiday Inn back then, or whatever it was, down by the, the, the river. Yeah. And, okay, Skip emptied most, I think, like three rooms. He emptied the beer into the bathtubs, and they iced it all down. It took a while, and we had one hell of a party. I bet you did. And I remember, <laughs> I remember somebody brought a shopping cart, up to the floor that Skip was on, maybe the second floor, and Shula got in it, and they pushed him down a flight of stairs. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> he was okay. Wow. He didn't record. Wow. He, oh, he was game, man. He wanted to do it. <laughs> Friggin' Dave was, you know, he was a <laughs> he was a character, too, you know. Uh, now, going back, uh, Thompson... 300. I don't know what year it was. Maybe or maybe it was the World Series. I can't remember, but I do remember that Saturday there was qualifying and it rained heavily. 
And they said, that's it for today, folks. You know, we're going to have to do it all tomorrow or whatever. Okay. okay, so up to the clubhouse we go. We got a table, and it's Richie and Billy and, and, and a bunch sitting around Don the Nassowitz. table. Yep, crew yep, chief. Yep, yep, crew chief yep. Yep, is a number one man. Yep. And Mikey McLaughlin. Wow. And, and we're all sitting at the table, and we're drinking and drinking and drinking. And the foolishness got to the point where somebody had like a book. And they had them ketchup packets, and they they put like one book like on a little angle, like a ramp, and then they put the ketchup package on it and swatted it with another one. You wouldn't believe how far that ketchup goes. <laughs> it would go a good thirty feet. And I remember, I think it was Mikey hit a guy coming in the door. Right, oh my! Right in, in 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 the head with it, and the guy you know kind of looks and he's looking around at the ceiling and whatever, trying to figure out where it came from, you know. But we. <laughs> That's how the craziness got. Anyways, <laughs> magic any, shoes had a little magic. Yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I went to the John, you know, and I come back and I'm sitting at the table, and I said, "Where the hell did Mikey go?" And Richie and Billy go, and I look and he's under the table. <laughs> Made himself magically disappear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting a little shut eye. Well, anyways, no problem. That's okay. Leave him there. Anyways, we go on for a little while, and all of a sudden we hear, "Ladies and gentlemen." There's a clearing coming up, and we're going to resume qualifying in about 45 oh, minutes. Oh, no. Drivers, report to your cars. Oh, boy. <laughs> Mikey was driving for Lenny Boulder, you know, an old blue. Oh, man. And uh, he couldn't figure out where he lost three-tenths of a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Richie, he did his thing. No problem. Yeah. Well, Richie's used to it. He'd been <laughs> but, doing that for but years. They, they almost had to lead Mikey down to the car. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's funny stuff. The good old days. The good old days. Well, you know, and that's, there again, the legends. I mean, I remember, I think it was 77 in the modified 200. Merv Treichler was there with his dirt car, and Richie ran second to him forever. And I remember hearing a story about, I think it was Billy that was on the radio, and he's, he's he's like, Richie, what are you doing? Pass him. And Richie's like, we're good. And a few laps later, he comes back and he's like, Richie, what are you doing? He goes, I'm collecting six packs. Yeah. True. <laughs> Smart move. That, you know? that, yeah. No, that was it. You know, he knew he could get them. And that's absolute truth. Yeah. <laughs> a- absolute truth. It's funny stuff. And, and then there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of nights with Bentley, too, uh, you know, at the Speedway. Oh, you he know, didn't drink much. Uh, back, back then, believe me. Oh, no, he still does, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me tell you this. We used to call him Three Beer Bentley. Really? Drink one, spill one, leave one. <laughs> Honest to God. he. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you I was with him every moment of the, the day and that, but I was there a lot of nights till the wee hours. And he didn't drink, he didn't drink a lot. And, and what little he did drink got to him in a hurry. But That's he's de- I think he's developed an immunity over the years, obviously, because well, yeah. he's I he's think done all those guys did. He's done much much better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now he owns a place, so oh yeah, God. Have, yeah, yeah, he gets it yeah. all for free. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah and, and I mean, again, those guys are a, a different breed, and and I think you know it's almost. I mean, I work with a lot of the younger drivers of today and, and, and interview them and, and all that. And, and it's not that they lack personality, but it's a different world today. You just don't, the, in general, you just don't see 
that sort of situation in sports anymore you know everything has changed and so you know use it's not that that none of the younger drivers can party i could drop a few names but i won't um but it's you just have to disguise it better because it's just not and even at the short track level you just don't see it as overtly anymore everybody just kind of is much more low-key about it and not that i'm suggesting that you know we should go back to promoting you know let's get drunk after every race but but the point i'm making is it's just a different time and um those guys back then were they were old first of all most of the racers were much older and you know they were just a different breed they were they were there's a level of of daring that you had to have back then because those cars were very crude and they took a lot to handle and you know you just rather it was a super or modified or whatever you just had to really horse the cars everything's different now you can say that's better or worse um and i'll agree either way because i think it's half and half um but it, I'm just fortunate that I feel blessed that I grew up in that period with those people just for the stories alone. Yes. And, and you know, a little more rough and tumble, let's say. And, and today I think a, a lot of the younger drivers are aspiring to go on, and they know what it takes yeah. personality-wise and everything. So they're, 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 they're less likely to do that, you know, at the short track races level, yeah. at a, yeah. at, in a public place yeah. and such. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. You know, there, there's no problem with that. Like you said, back in the days, them cars were were high horsepower, high danger. Remember, they were running gasoline for a long time, yeah. too. Very dangerous cars. And I think a lot of them were just happy that they lived through it. And that's, exactly. why, they, that's why they were, you know, pounding the beers down, you know, after the deal. You know, it was, they oh, it was were, just almost more of a way of life, too. Yeah. You know, oh, that's I'm, just what you did. Absolutely. You know, you know everybody went and, you know, and drank. I mean, not everybody obviously was yeah, you know, yeah. stone cold drunk, but, but it was just a no. different situation. And even, it, you know, you, you, you look at a guy like Dick Trickle. I remember a story. Somebody was telling me that they, they saw Dick Trickle. He was running cup. They saw him at a bar. It was like one in the morning on what would be race day on Sunday morning. You know, and, and they're like, Dick, don't you have a race uh later today and and he said well what time is it and you know they told him and and he said well wait now how long's the race and they said well you know 400 miles or whatever and he said well here's how here's how i do this it's one hour of sleep for every hundred miles i got a race <laughs> so it's just like i i'm thinking now that's you know but again you just you don't see as much of that anymore um you used to be able to go out and see all those guys uh, and, and again, you see them in that kind of a setting and anymore, uh, it, it just isn't considered the thing to do. Um, but you know, that was, it, it was definitely a magic time. And, and I think about, again, going back to Richie Evans, cause I know you guys were so close. Um, I, I keep going back to the heat race that he wanted a Swiggo and Skip's car. Yep. When he, when he came from behind out of turn four in the last lap and went by Muldoon and Bellinger, made it three wide on the top and punched it and beat him to, to the line, I had never seen anything like that before. And, I mean, it just – that was one example of the driver that Richie was. I mean, he had, yeah. he had been in a super maybe two times before that, and that's it. Absolutely, yeah. That was probably the best heat race I ever seen at the O, and uh, that was – uh, whether I don't know how it stuck, whether there wasn't a lot of marbles up yeah. there or whatever, but but you know he, 
he made that work all the time. If you look at a lot of his, uh, you know, his his wins up there, they're all made outside passes. Yeah, he he was a lot of them. I don't know why they didn't want to go out there. If the car car probably didn't handle out there, yeah, but his cars did, and he would pass them. There's the one infamous deal there where they had to restart. It was a probably a heat race, I guess. In in, in the modified, yes, yeah, and he was like twelfth. And he passed like five cars in a corner. Yeah, going into three yeah. and four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, just 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 a master of of you know knowing the race. They yeah. told him the green's coming out in three, and so he he anticipated it. And you know, anyways. Yeah, it's amazing. And then and of course, you know, I go back to seventy five when he won that race at Thompson um, for Swifty in in the Swifty car. I yep. mean, um Were you there that day? No. Okay. Yeah, that was obviously a bad day uh swifty losing a crew member and you know and, and richie getting in the car and doing what you would probably expect richie to do even though he'd never driven the super before just get in it and w- win both ends of the double header and drive away you know and that's uh you know richie was just one of these drivers there there are a number of them from that period um that they just had something else. They had this other level yeah. that they could obtain. Richie was like that. Jimmy Champagne was like that. You know, there were just some of those guys. Bentley Bentley was like that as he yep. as he in his second career mm-hmm. in supers. Um, you know, there was just another gear there, and you it didn't matter what you put them in. They were always fast, and they could win in anything. Yeah, and that's what it made it exciting. Yeah. You know, because uh, you'd see them in a different a different form of racing, and yeah. you'd say, "Well, how are they going to do there?" You know, and, and and like you said, Richie did well. Bentley did well in the modifieds. He can ran. Do you remember the double hunters they used to have at Fulton on oh, Sunday? Yeah. yeah, some of the best race yep. modifieds. All the modified drivers were there, and a lot of the super guys yep. hung over. Well, I watched Bentley one weekend down there running uh, Snyder's forty four coach there. Oh yeah, that goes yeah. back a ways. I, I watched Bentley win in the seventy seven super he won in the coach and they had a special that that weekend with the ardc midgets or one of the midget organizations okay and he was leading that until the hood flew off oh wow so you know that's versatility yeah you know three different cars on the same track but in one and two and had it going in the other one but uh they were they were very very unique talents uh, i'm not saying there's probably guys today you know probably oh, Otto and a yeah. few of the other guys for that sure. have furlong and uh, all of them that's come up through you know if we i'm sure if we seen them in other uh, race cars and that would do it too because they they definitely have the skills to do that you well know? we've seen you know we've seen joe do it we've seen yep. Otto yep. run well Otto came from dirt Yep. You know, I mean, we've seen some of these guys, yeah. um, you know, and and you look at there's guys. I mean, I think about Andrew Shartner and the SBS that he he he's won on both surfaces. And, you know, there's a kid right there who has the, the, the engineering part of it, but also has the talent and never has gotten the opportunity to race a super to show that he could run at that level. But there's you know, there are drivers like that, at, at, you know, today. But um you know, it, it just seemed like back then it was more prevalent that you would, you know, you'd run dirt on Friday, so we go on Saturday and dirt on Sunday. You had Chuck Siprich and Mark Letcher and Jimmy and Jimmy Winks and Stelder and, geez, whoever else. I mean, they're probably three or four I'm not thinking of it off the bat, but it used to be commonplace to, to do that sort of two-surface tango and be very good at all of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and USAC was that way. USAC yep. ran. Yep. Uh, there were sprint cars, there were midgets, and everything were run on both surfaces. Still pavement, do. Pavement, cases. dirt. And I, and I, 
well, I think you see it today, too, yeah. where a lot mm-hmm. of your top drivers in NASCAR and that are, are coming out of USAC and the yeah. mid- midgets and sprint cars. That's good seat-of-the-pants, you know, training. It gives them a feel for the yep. car that you won't get, you know, in, in, in anything else. So it's... Uh, yeah, I wish it would go back to that. You know, I mean, and, and you see more yeah. of it, and and uh, that that's like you said, shows the versatility of the drivers, and the good ones do it. They make the transformation; it's no problem. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah. a an era gone by a little bit in terms of at least the transition to indie per se. Um, and I definitely wish that would come back. Uh, yeah. You know, because again, so many talents. I mean, you look at a kid like Tyler Thompson, you say, no, there's one that's young enough and, and has the raw seat of the pants talent to be able to go do, you know, and so we've seen it in midgets now and in spring, you know, some other things, dirt modifieds that he's driven, um, TQs. And, you know, you look at him or you look at a Michael Barnes and you say, gosh, those guys could have, you know, but it's so road course focused now that, a lot of those guys just kind of get passed over because they don't have that skill set, which is half or more of the IndyCar schedule. Absolutely. That in the wallet, because yeah. uh, it's almost like talent is secondary today. Yeah. You, you've got to have that. Uh, you got to have the look. You got to have the cash to get you in them seats. Right. And go on. Uh, I was, uh, you know, Clyde's based out of here. Clyde Booth. Clyde sure. Booth. Yeah. yeah. And We're I, hoping I, to I have him on an upcoming show. Yep. I visit his shop on and off. You know, and go over and check out and see what's going on with him. Well, he owns a, some buildings over there, and his shop is in one of these bigger buildings. Yeah, and next to him, yep. next to him is a mediocre Bush team. No, won't mention no names, yeah. mm-hmm. but they're uh, they're if if they're top twenty, they're lucky. Anyways, they're kind of a rent a ride. Sure. And, and one day I'm over there, and the, the whoever it was that owns the team brought one of his team members over. They have him look at a super modified. He never seen it, and oh, he's, wow. he's showing him Clyde's car with the boater, the big black, and everything. And he's he's the kid's in awe. But anyways, after he left, Clyde's telling me he says, "Yeah, he, he's got that Bush car down there. He ran a ride in this that." And I says, "Oh yeah." I says, "You know, you get in that." And he says, "You know how much mediocre car?" And I says, "No." He says, forty six thousand yeah. a weekend." Yeah. I says, "Are you kidding me?" No. That's the <laughs> so truth. and you know nobody comes into Gibbs or any of them. Without cash, well, no, and Gibbs is twice that. <laughs> and you, know, you got it. <laughs> if, if not, if not more. And, and people right. say, to, to be fair, people say, "Well, gosh, that's outlandish." Well, yeah, it is, but it also costs a lot now. You aren't just you know going with one or two guys or three guys to the racetrack, you know, and yeah. on an open trailer with an old pickup. Oh. It's a whole different. You know, these teams are corporations now. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's what it takes to to be middle of the road. And Xfinity is about fifty grand a race. Yeah, and and you know, so that that shows you, you know, and Indy is oh, God knows what the number six numbers. million a year. Yeah, yeah, right. Which and, is a bargain compared to yeah. three times that or more for a cup car. Yep, <laughs> so yep, yep. No, that's that's Xfinity money now for Junior, about six million. I wonder every now and then how many Jeff Gordons, Tony Stewarts. Uh, you name it, are out there, but we'll never get the shot because they don't have the cash. Yeah. You know they're out there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We, You know, I, I watch them every week in the short tracks, and you yep. watch them in USAC, and in the, yep. you know, because you follow a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're definitely out there, and it is, it, again, it's a different sport, and it's kind of, you know, it's, again, it becomes a stereotype because you say, well, they only got there because they had money. Well, yeah, but a lot of these kids – 
They've still got to drive the cars. Absolutely. You know, so the talent is there. And a lot of them are very humble. It's just they happen to be in a position where daddy had money or they went out and got some, you know. But that's why you appreciate the Matt DiBenedetto's and, you know, some of those guys, the Ross Chastain's that didn't have millions. You know, they were able to. Yeah, Priest, Ryan Priest. Um, You know, there are still those drivers who sneak through every now and again. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that a lot of them are doing it by going to those budget middle of the road teams and proving that they can get 100 percent out of those cars and then being able to take a little bit of money to a Gibbs to run three or four races. But they go out and win because they've had the experience in the middle of the road car. So they're not learning in the Gibbs cars. They're learning a year earlier. And then they go to the Gibbs car or whoever, and they win. And then they get their shot. So there is a sort of a new thing that's, that's been forming over the last couple of years like that. So, But even so, that it's still a lot of money, of course. So... um it's again different sport, but but you know, and even short track racing. I mean, supers aren't cheap. USAC is surely not cheap. You know, um, even midgets aren't cheap. You know, it's it's uh, if you're going to go run for Keith Coons, it's a very expensive proposition to do that. So it's it's kind of a deal now where it's even filtered down to the short tracks, but you're still seeing some great racing at those levels. Obviously, three hundred k for one of Keith's cars. Yeah per season yeah Yeah. so yeah yeah it 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 is it is uh but like you said there are some that sneak through the cracks so hopefully that uh, continues to work and they'll continue to do it one other great super modified thing that i i I, that just brings to mind is uh copper classic oh i miss that yeah that was was supposed to come back a year or two ago and somehow it ended up not i wish it would that was a great series and uh you know that was a great race. It brought both uh, the East and West together, yeah. and uh, very unique. You know the the California cars are just absolutely gorgeous. In fact, I remember the first year Bentley went out there and won by attrition. Uh, was uh, and he came back and I says, "Wow, them things are different, huh?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "Them cars look make mine look like a farm tractor." <laughs> but uh well they were all lightweight and oh had, you know, the, severe offside engine a lot of aerodynamics yeah. and, and great body work yeah. oh they were gorgeous i i was thrilled the guy that talked me into going was gary bentonhausen i was at a midget race down in depew i forget the name of the track down there Lan- oh where depew new york lancaster no 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 this was a dirt race oh uh not depew I was going to say, it couldn't have been Depew because... Eh, it started, with, it started with a D. Dundee? Dundee. Okay. Dundee. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I went there, and uh, it was a midget race, and then uh, a few weeks later, they had another one, and I went down there with a press conference, and they had Gary in town to, to do, the, do the little pre-race thing, you know, and that, and we sat in an American Legion for a few hours. Uh, Gary liked, <laughs> liked to have, have a few. And that was the beginning. Well, actually, Pocono, where I first met him was at Pocono. Okay. We went to dinner with him and his wife, me and the bear, and whatever, and then, and then uh, but he talked me going in. He says, you got to go out to, to the copper in February. He says, the sky's so blue, and he says, it's just, it's, it, it's just a great time, and it was. I mean... He says, you got to stay at the Embassy Suites on Grand Ave, too. And I said, okay. So we booked in for that trip. And I remember going, and we went to the track the first day. And 
looking at the supers and that's the midgets were running uh the champ cars in a stock car division too yep them were the four they had the sprint cars there they were too dangerous gentlemen got killed there and so they they stopped running the sprint cars yeah but uh anyways that first night uh being in NBC suites they had a two-hour happy hour from five thirty to seven thirty, and uh went down to that bar and i stood there in awe got happy uh yeah but i mean no, <laughs> he got a little happy the people at the bar oh sure uh, rich vogler oh wow billy vukovic wow aj watson oh my yes gary b uh and uh stan fox uh and i can go on and on yeah with 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 the 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 people at that bar and i i was off to the side and i told bear i says look at who we got here and, you know, it was just a great time. And the funny thing was, now, the racing would end at about 4.30. And this is before they had a tunnel at the Speedway. So you had to wait for all the racing to be over before they would open the gate to let you cross the track and out of there. Right. Okay. We used to park in the pits, you know, with the, you know. And anyhow, we'd be lined up waiting for that gate to open. And then there was more racing down I-10 back to the embassy suites to get there at 5.30 to get them first beers than there was at the track all day. Oh, I bet. I mean, everybody was jockeying for position in a good spot in the parking lot, and then uh, and then it would commence for two hours, then it would move into the bar, and then it would go out to a lot of the local establishments. It was it was a good time out there. Good racing. Uh, unfortunately, the Supers weren't really a part of the good racing. It was They were kind of... Uh, there was a reliability factor that plagued them, and they'd get spread out and whatever. But surprising as it is, the midgets were the best race on that mile. Yeah. They were fantastic. I mean, how close they stayed and the way they darted to and fro and side to side. And it was good racing. Yeah, the copper was a great time. I miss it. Yeah, that definitely was one of those. It was one of those. I, I, I call it a super show. You know, it was almost like a mini festival. You know, you had four of four or five of the best divisions with a lot of the best guys. And um, so, yeah, definitely a, a, a great show. Um, you know, sort of like what we're seeing. I, there's a show at um, uh, Lucas Oil Raceway, which is it's Indianapolis Raceway Park, for those of you who can't keep track of the title sponsor. Um this year with uh, the, the the Midwest Super Series, the must-see racing, asphalt mm-hmm. sprints, 410s, the Super Cup Stock Car Series, and the Midwest Compact Touring Series. Um, you know, again, kind of an all-star show, four, four different types of cars. Yeah. You go and you have a great time, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to going out there to that this year. That's June 20th. Um, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. It's good to see some of that type of thing coming back now. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I like the sound of that, especially the must-see. That's a good show, and, uh, you know, and the, the Supers, and uh, sounds like a great deal. Hope yeah. it catches on, draws a great crowd. Yeah, I hope it uh, hope it does, too. Okay, um, I'm going to throw some names at you and just, um, you know, whatever comes to mind, uh, again, and, and throw any in that, that that you want to as we go through this, but... Um, I know you and Joe Gozik have always been very good friends. Talk about Joe a little bit. Yeah, Joe is, uh, Joe, uh, I don't know why, uh, you know, we just kind of gravitated towards Joe. Uh, my son wound up crewing on his crew for, yep. you know, uh, several years there. 
and uh, Joe, just just a, a good friend. The whole family are such a wonderful bunch of people. And uh, you know, went to the weddings, and uh, you know, to, to to you know Ed and his, and and yeah, Joe is just just top shelf guy, top shelf guy, pretty low keyed. You know, he, yeah. he can get excited every now and then, but but in a hell of a driver. You know, a sure hell of is. a driver. Still, you know, yeah, absolutely, still hanging tough. You know, I've been I've been making it my priority to get the classic from now on every year. So I've been going like the last three. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. He still runs good, still wins. You know, he got a new car now. Look out yeah. for Joe. You yeah. know, yeah, like the new cars too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, now you know that kind of brings to mind. Um, I actually like the tail wings. What is your two cents on that? In the, terms of the look, I love them. The new design? Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. To me, uh, I hate to say it, they kind of look like with that scoop on their back, they look like a, what back in the day, this is going to, I'm going to date myself, they look like a coal shovel. And they were just big, wide, you know, open expanse. And, you know, they look very, very sleek from the side and that, but... I like the new ones. Yeah. I think they look a lot racier, a lot more, uh, I don't know, new, let's yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. agree. I love the tails. Um, how about Warren Conium? How, what did, you, did you get to know Warren? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Warren is a heck of a nice guy, a hell of a Canadian, mild manner individual, definitely no Warren, uh, you know, and uh, Linda. Yeah. And uh, we uh, have... Drank a few beers together, no doubt about it, <laughs> especially after his classic win in the McGarry car. Oh, uh, my. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 1987. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, good guy. Uh, not too many off-track adventures because, you know, I mean, uh, they they would be in the pits and in local establishments and at uh, the banquets and such, but uh, not so much out of town in that. Who were you? Who were you kind of most likely to be um, socializing with after the races? I mean, we talked about Richie. Obviously, Joe, I know, was a part of some of that. Who were some – I'm sure Eddie B. Um, who were some of the other guys that that um, well, you were – kind of all of them, you know, because, you know, being writing in that, you wanted to – you know, it, it wasn't schmoozing. Yeah. I like to think they enjoyed having me around. Some of them didn't. I know that. But, you know, you, can, <laughs> you can't please all the people no, all of the time. I but, that out. but uh yeah, I think it used to gravitate back to Joe and the family. And that was because a lot of the others would go home. And Eddie B., you know, he was he was always out there. So, or you know, so it was Joe or Eddie B. or, you know, and we were just diehards. I enjoyed every minute at the track. I would be there no later than 4 o'clock. And I, I would, no. Because <laughs> you wanted to make sure you got home in time to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And I would <laughs> sign in. You know, and, and, and go in the pits. Oh, you mean, fuck, yeah, sorry, yeah, I was, okay. Yeah, no. I was no. thinking after the races. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. My this, bad. This was Four in the afternoon. This is pre-race. Yeah, I enjoyed it, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I, you and me both. I was always, I wanted to be the first one in the gate. Yeah, I yeah. I just enjoyed every minute being at the Speedway and the people and everything around it. So it probably, yeah, it would have been Eddie B and Joe. You know, I mean, hey, Bentley and all the others, yeah, if they were around, man, we were, we were you know, hanging with them and partying with them, too. No doubt about it. Have you been to um, Bentley's Saloon? I have not. Oh, so you and I ought to take a road trip up there. Perhaps. That would be fun. Perhaps. You and I should take a road trip up there. 
That would be, I've never, I've been there. I've always wanted to go. And you, he's got the museum and everything there. Um, you know, I've always thought it would be fun to actually do a show from Bentley Saloon. I, you know, um, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, it just, you know, again, um, but yeah, Bentley, I, I think if, if anybody who's ever dr- partied with Bentley and, and I didn't do, I, I, I've never been a big drinker, but, but I certainly wasn't then. Um, and, but, but all you gotta do is be around and you were highly entertained. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Him and Tom Bolly and. So, you know, and of course, then you threw guys like Paul Dunnigan. He always had, Bentley always drove for very colorful people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ed Bolly, uh, brother in law, as they called him, uh, Mr. Dunnigan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, driving us around in his caddy. And uh, it's funny because there's all this piles of scrap in that. It was the last place I would take a Cadillac. And he, dri- <laughs> he drives by this one corner. And we had so many people with us that they were in the car and they were sitting in the trunk, too. So I was sitting in the trunk with my feet dangling out, you know. And he goes around this one corner. There's a piece of re-ride sticking out. Yeah. It goes, it goes <laughs> down the side of this new caddy, you know. I said, ah, don't worry about it. So he goes up to show us this one building, and it's locked. And he ain't got a key. So he says, stand back. He picks up a shovel and he beats the window in, you know, and he, and he reaches in and yeah. he unlocks the door and it, <coughs> we go inside. And he's showing us all the, 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 the deals for separating the, the copper, the aluminum and all that stuff. And finally, this kid shows up with his uniform on and the kid says, who are you? And Ed says, I'm the guy that pays your, your salary. He says, <laughs> He says, where the hell you been? He says, we've been in here for two hours and I didn't see you. He says, quit sleeping on the job. He says, hey, get the hell out of here. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I left. But that was Ed Bolly. That was Ed Bolly. Oh, and you know, back then, the cars, and he would do like, I don't know, it was crazy, like hundreds of cars a day they'd put through the Thrasher machine. Oh, yeah. And every car had change in it. And he had two women on this uh, conveyor belt that all they did was pick change off the conveyor really? belt and throw it in 50-gallon drums. When the drums were full, they'd seal them, they'd send them to, to the Mint in Washington, and they had to sort through them, and they'd send them back a check for how oh much money. Oh, my goodness. But this money would be on the ground. And Richie was just a little tyke then, maybe 12, 10, 12 years old. Yeah. And he's walking around, and here's these things glistening. Look at I got a dime. Look at I got a quarter. Look at I got a nickel. Ed says to him, if you worked for me, I'd fire you if, if I see you bending over. <laughs> he says, but seeing you're a friend, everything you can pick up, you can carry out of here. That's so funny. Richie filled his pockets. His butt was hanging out of his shorts. <laughs> <clears throat> but that was it. Well, you know, and, and for those, again, for those who aren't familiar, when Wack, when Wack refers to the bear, it's his former wife, Carolyn, and Richie is... His son, but yeah. known as half yeah. whack. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did, did I see something where he doesn't want to be called that? Anymore? Oh no, no, no. He doesn't like half whack. Okay. He Sorry, was called. Richie. He was called. You know, he had his career in NASCAR. He changed tires and cup for fourteen years. Was with all the major teams and drivers, but uh, and they called him Red. He prefers to be called Red. So that's funny. Yeah. Our producer <laughs> James Mellick also is Red uh, for the same reason Richie would want to be Red. Yep. Um, Red hair and whatever. So uh, and then there's Christy, yeah, who crewed who crewed on uh, Skip Scar helps ch- uh, you know Skip with that. And Richie called him uh, his crew chief on the three. Her his crew okay. chief on the three. But uh, yeah, Christy's still you know she's down here too. But you and Skip 
got really tight. Well, Skip's a hell of a good guy. He is. You know, it's easy to do. And, and they, they, they took... He's been around so long. Oh, God, has he? He's had so many, so many different cars and so many different people driving. Yeah. And, and uh, including me. <laughs> That's right. Gosh, I can't believe I would have forgotten all about that to bring that up. But uh, yeah. again, to set the table... Wack had the opportunity one day to do something that we'd all like to do. Um, Skip brought the car. Let me see if I can get this right. Brought the car to Shangri-La. Um, and Gary Albritton at the time was driving for him, I think. And um, and, and, and basically, Wack got a test day uh, under Gary's tutelage, um, which uh, we interviewed Gary, gosh, a month or a month and a half ago, at least two months maybe, um, for the show. And um, I should have thought to bring that up with him. But uh, talk about that must have been pretty cool. That was back in probably mid-80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. It it was and it still is the best Friday of my life. I bet. Uh, yeah. We went down there and Skip hid the car down there. You know, we, we, first thing, you know, you got to take care of first things first. Took us all to breakfast. We had breakfast. We went back. And Dale Caffey was there to to open up the little infield concession Owner. in case we yep. wanted a soda or whatever. And then we did laps. Gary went out, and uh, we went out in the passenger car, and he showed me a line. And then he went out to warm the car up, and then I would go out for five or ten laps and bring it in. He'd tell me what I was doing right, wrong, or indifferent. And that went on throughout the whole day uh, until late in the day the, the car developed a little skip in the motor. And, uh, you know, and he they, it was late anyways, and we called it quits. But it was fantastic. The power of the Super and uh, just the handling of the car, they're, they're a fantastic automobile. I mean, it's just, it's just man, tough to describe. Yeah. Tough to describe. It's, uh, well, and, and, of course, Shangri-La was a pretty good-sized track. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it, it was, I think it was close to a half mile. Um, yeah, it was a half. So, yeah. So, you, you I mean, you obviously had the chance to get some speed out of it. Um, it, it must've been pretty incredible for you. It, 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 the first couple times out, I would think you're, you're just sort of awestruck. Like you're almost not totally focused because as, as we used to say, cause I, I trained at the race on driving experience in Memphis with stock cars. And, you know, we used to say the first time out, you're just trying to learn what your name is, you mm. know, because your your mind is just so overwhelmed. Yeah, you know, and I would imagine it would have been the same way in the super. You're just it's it's almost sensory overload. Absolutely, and you know, but I like I said, I had a good tutor, Gary. You know, throughout his career, excellent driver. Sure, he was. And 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 you know, and he told me build it up, you know, build it up, build your speed each lap, each lap. He he was quite. I don't know if he was just fluffing me up or whatever, but he was quite pleased. And I did I did you know I think we ran some seventeens around. There, which on a half isn't isn't yeah too crazy bad I guess you know and and, and you know and, and they were both satisfied. Skip says, in fact, I remember him telling me. He says, "You're not a natural, but you're pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, that's, that's a compliment coming yep. from Skip. He's seen them all. Yeah, and then and then years <laughs> then years later, uh, up when Mike Osite was driving his TQ at the Niagara Falls. Uh, you know, uh, convention was, center. Oh, there's another thing we it, could talk about in the winter. Yeah, how much fun was that? Them were great races up there. Them oh. were them were just you know three races throughout the winter. I forget where yep. they were. Uh, yep. like January, February, March, I believe. And uh, yeah, that's before I lived in Buffalo too. 
Oh, no. It, 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 it continued. Well, for, I think for a couple of years that they ran the series, I, I wasn't living there, and then I was. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, they were great times. But anyway, Skip, uh, and it was a car. Uh, I think Mike had won the championship in that car the year prior. And uh, Skip let me take that out in, in, in warm-ups and run that oh, thing. Wow. Yeah, run that TQ around there with the rosin and the, uh, co- the Coke Coca-Cola syrup down. Syrup, yep. And the, the adhesion is amazing. Oh, you know, and they, yeah. I it, did it in a go-kart the last yeah. year. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And they, they go around and, you know, and uh, uh, everybody blew by me. You know, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't doing nothing with that, but it was a fun time taking that around. And and now I guess Skip has got a couple of midgets he races on dirt. They're the Ford, Ford Focus midgets. Yeah, I think up, so. Something along that line. Yeah, because he he um, mentioned on Facebook to me. He says you got to. He says you've been my driver in all my cars or in, in, in my last couple few cars. Celebrity. He says you, he says you got to come up and uh, drive one of my midgets sometime. And I'm telling you, that might be a good deal to go up and go to Bentley's and and. and skip's thing oh no that would be fun yeah, yeah that would be a great time yeah. yeah i mean and and skip skip and lois um they could have contributed so much to the sport over the years and of course you know anybody that that's been a long time fan of oswego as you said earlier that was a that he was kind of one of those guys back in the 70s you know one moment it was jim gray and then it was brad thrall and you know, yeah. Denny Wheeler ran a classic form or tried. And I don't know if he qualified it, but um, he had a number of different Armin Holly um, in his earlier Limblad cars. And then all of a sudden, you know, when he and Doug Didero got together, that became um, just absolute super team. Yeah. You know, and had those few years in the 90s with uh, the cars that Doug built where, you know, championships and, and classic win and, you know, or wins or whatever. Um, just a big... Um, they were great together, uh, you know, and then eventually Skip went back to, um, you know, the sprint cars or whatever. So, um, but just, you know, Skip and Lois were, again, two people that were so prominent for so long at Oswego Speedway. And those, again, that, you know, they're among the people that I feel like built the track, you know, helped to make it what it was, you know, for future generations. Absolutely. Yeah. Quality people, absolutely quality people, nicest people you ever want to meet. And I was so happy when Doug and Skip uh, teamed up and got all that success because if anybody deserved that run of success, it was Skipper. Yeah, for you sure. Know, yeah. He, yep. he devoted absolutely. a lot of time, a lot of effort. And I used to, I love the guy because he used to, you know, he, he says, man, I, I, I haul my car in an open trailer. He says, I want people to see the car. He says, it's the old, old school with it on the open trailer, and he'd do that. And I remember a couple of times they stopped over to my house in North Syracuse, <clears throat> you know, on their way up to the track and that, and all the kids in the neighborhood were just going gaga. And he'd let all of them get up in that car and sit in that car and sure. check it out. Yeah, quality people. Yeah, very <laughs> good. And, and it, you know, we, you go back to the, the TQ deals um, at Niagara Falls. My gosh, those were like – three weekends of of a combination of let's party and let's have some racing while we're doing it you know they were social events as much as they were you know and and again talk about drivers you you know get jack hewitt um you know and and heaven knows who else would show up um they were just really great shows and i'm so happy to see that that indoor idea come back over the last few years and and uh hate that um because i was going to go up this this weekend to Syracuse, yeah, yeah. I think that that got canceled. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, I, I was following that Andy, 
Andy Jankowiak was crowned the champ. Uh, it's too bad they didn't get to, you know, to do that. I was glad to see the resurgence, and especially in Syracuse, yeah. you know, getting that race there. That's a big so, deal. I know it is. To go with the Expo, that's like the perfect combination. <clears throat> yeah, that's a, that's a son of a gun. But. So you're, 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 obviously you've been down here in Carolina for a good bit, but you still... You know, you still get to a fair number of races during the year. You go to a lot of the, the USAC and, and the sprint car and midget kind of stuff. But I want to talk about one thing that you have done um, because it's it's obviously one of the most extreme forms of 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 sport. I'm not even going to say motorsport, of sport. Um, you went to the Isle of Man. I did. Talk about that experience. Wow. <laughs> in a in a sentence wow 200 miles an hour wow uh yeah it's, it's a race held every year on the isle of man little island 31 miles long 11 and a half miles wide in between ireland and england it's of english uh rule and uh 80 some odd thousand people normally but they gain the population goes up by 40 Six thousand for the TT, as they call it. Yes. the The track is comprised of all public roads, which they shut down obviously during right. the racing, and it it and it covers thirty eight miles and some two hundred and sixty turns. They it's it, it's a race against the clock. They are let go at ten second intervals, and then they they try to become the fastest. The current record. For 38 miles, well, it's actually 37.73, but we'll call it 38. The record right now is 16 minutes, 52 seconds, at an average speed of 135.5 miles an hour. Wow. Average speed. And uh, they hit well over 200 in places, and it's, it's just amazing. I mean, there's nothing like it. You can stand. I, I posted some videos. I was, was within... A foot of them at 180 miles an hour on the side of a road, and you can you can. There's areas, some areas where you, on the outside of turns they don't want you there in case yeah. they. But you can stand just about every place, and there are signs that say motorsports is dangerous. Stand here at your own risk. So they believe in personal liability there. So if you are killed there, there's no suing nobody because they told you it's dangerous. Right. Stand here at your own risk. So, you know, that it, it's just a, it's a great event. There's uh, several different classes, Superbike, which are the fastest. Then there's 1,000cc uh, uh, street bikes, and they run a 600, and I think they even run a, a 1, 250, and an electric class. Plus electric class. An electric class, yep. I didn't even know there was such a thing as an electric motorcycle. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Yep. 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 They, there's only four or five of them in the race that okay. they run. It's, it's, to me, it's weird. They just, whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's different. Uh, I, I watch the Formula E series a lot. And you know what? They put on pretty good shows. Yeah. It's just to the ear, you know, it was funny because I was up in a Swiggo one time last year and my mother, who's 84, and she's been a race fan all her life. She'll turn on Indy or NASCAR or whatever. And she obviously, Went to a swiggle for years. Um, I happened to be flipping by, and, and the Formula E race comes on. And my mother said, "Are those Indy cars?" I said, "No, it's Formula E." So we were watching it for a second, and she said, "I can't hear anything." Turn the volume. I said, "Well, the I said the E stands for electric." I said, "These cars are battery powered 
cars. She said, they are. I said, so I explained. She looked at me. She goes, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She just couldn't quite grasp. You know, I said, yeah, there was a point, mom, where they used to run two cars a race because they got to change the battery, change cars halfway through. And now they've got a battery that'll last the whole show. But yeah, it's just different. And and I, I mean, for us purists, obviously, it's it's disappointing, but welcome to 2020. So yeah. why wouldn't there be an electric bike? That's kind of interesting. Yeah, they electric. And then finally, okay. there's sidecars. OK, 600 CC sidecars. And they are, you know, everybody says. We think them uh, solo riders are insane, but with the I would agree. But with the sidecars, there's there's no debate. They yeah, are. I don't think I'd want to do that. Uh, you know, <laughs> if I was twenty or eighteen, I wouldn't want to be the driver, but I wouldn't want to be the rider. Really? We I don't know. I, I think uh, yeah, I, I, I would mean, give it a go. Listen, I'm a pretty I I bungee jumped. I've been on, you know, the baddest roller coasters yeah. in the country, like some yeah. of that. But I don't know. That just <laughs> maybe at a little slower speed. I don't know about sidecar at 180. Yeah. Um, you know, you hit a rock and, you know, oh, we're both dead. See, you know? pe- people don't realize we did a tour of the course. Yeah. And uh, a guided tour. He rode us around and I couldn't believe how bumpy. Some of them roads and spots were. Yeah. Now they try during the off season to uh, you know pave and make it a little bit smoother and better for the guys, but uh, extremely bumpy. And the sidecars, the only suspension is the tires. There is no suspension in them. Yeah. So they take a beating. I bet a beating. Yeah. They only do three laps, or sometimes two, depending where the 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 big bikes do six laps. But it, it's a great experience. I mean. It's a thrill like none other. I, well, I'm I mean, sure. when them things just rip by you at them speeds and you're so close to them. It's funny because um, I've always been a big fan of the rock band Rush and their drummer, who sadly just passed away, Neil Peart. Um, they're, he was, they're Canadian. Neil um, took up motorcycling in the 90s and, it, and he used to carry a motorcycle with him on the tours and would cycle between tours. And so, so they went to... Um, they went to Europe and and they were out, you know, did that sort of. And he he writes wrote in one of his books about he actually went on that course. Yeah. Um, at the Isle of Man, of course, not as a racer, right. but just a tour. And he talked about how I can't imagine myself. Good, they were sport bikers, you know. Yeah. And he said, I can't imagine myself doing this as a racer, but you could see where it would be you know, as dangerous as it is. And, you know, so I'm sure that uh, someone who would appreciate motorcycling, that must've been quite a thrill. Yeah, it it, it is. And, and it's, you know, and, the, and it's just a great experience. The people are, are super f- nice. I mean, even when you get away from the, the main centers like Douglas, which is yeah. the capital and kind of hub, I mean, out in the, you know, we took some steam trains and, 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 and they pick up a farmer along the way and he'd be in your car and chatting and, just, just great people. I mean, uh, they opened their homes up. They they rent a room. Or an, uh, another gentleman told me he was walking down the road to go to this one spot, and he asked the gentleman. He says, "This the way I get to such and such," and he says, "No, no." He says, "You're walking the wrong way." And the guy says, "Oh God, I walked two miles down. I got to go back." <laughs> he, says, he says, "Don't worry about it. Hop in the car. I'll run you down there." 
You That's know, funny. It, yeah, really, really nice people in That's the English, great. and they have their traditional bobbies there, and, uh, and you know, and, and it's a great atmosphere, anyways, because everybody's there to have a good time. Yeah. And you know, when you go on vacation, it's hard to find somebody pissed off. You know, they're everybody is usually in a good mood. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, it, great experience. I, I'm I'm set to go back. I'm all booked to go back there uh, the 28th of May. I'm hoping. Oh wow! You know, hoping, yeah, hopefully ho- everything. Hopefully things viruses, work. Yeah. If not. I was supposed to go last year, but I had a back problem and That's I could right. not go. So, uh, if not, try again I'll, next I'll year. Be, I'll be rebooked for 2021. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, you've—I mean—you've had the chance to do an awful lot in the sport, and you, obviously, with through the writing, working for Val, and and all of that. I mean, I can speak firsthand to the thrill that it is to be able to cover the sport that I love. Um, and you had obviously the opportunity before I did. And I think you were able to do it maybe in a little different way in the sense that um, I think you met a lot more of the bigger names, um, you know, because you kind of got out more than I did. But, um, you know, again, uh, when you look back, I mean, uh, it just must have been fun to to do all that and still to to be able to go and, and, you know, watch races when you're able or want to. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how it was. It started. uh, It it was 1983, and – Prior to that, in 82 and that, I, I, you know, just sitting up in the grandstand, section yeah. O, seats 182 and 3, I think. Anyways, uh, I was a prolific writer to National Speed Sport News, and they printed my stuff quite often. Well, Linda Holden, yeah, Linda, Linda O'Brien at Linda the time. Linda O'Brien, yep. Linda O'Brien, you know, seen the name and wondered who it was, and actually came down and sought me out in the grandstand one day. Really? Yes. Came down. No kidding. And asked some people, obviously, and sought me out in the grandstand and says, you know, well, we got to have a talk sometime. And I lived in North Syracuse, you know, so I went over to the house. And she says, you know, you ought to write a column. And at the time, I don't think there was anybody really writing a weekly column uh, you know, on supers in Oswego. But anyways, I says, you think I can do it? And so it started. Both her and Dick encouraged me and, um, you know, and, and got me started writing. And, of course, it was rough in the beginning, but it smoothed out after a while. I mean, uh, in, 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 uh, like I said earlier, I didn't type. So the bear... Right. The bear, aka my my used to be wife, you know, would would do, would do the typing. Used to be, used to was my <laughs> yeah. used to was wife. Yeah, you, you know, she would type it out, and then we'd have to take it over to Linda's house, and they had this machine. They'd have to put it in, it flopped around, and set it over the telephone wires, and then eventually we got our, uh, as we discussed earlier. Yeah, you and I both got had our the Radio Shack trash trash eighties, as we called them. Trash the very 80s. first DOS based computers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Laptop kind it, of and we started going from oh there. My gosh! But the biggest thrill was for me when I got a letter from uh, Dick Bergman asking me if I'd write a feature for Open Wheel Magazine, and I said, "Wow, this That's is awesome. pretty cool." Because you know, Open Wheel was the standard, yeah. standard, and it did. You know, and it was good. I, I, you know, it it, it turned into. I don't know how many, you know, but uh, 10, 15, I don't know, maybe more uh, stories. They had different pieces that I wrote for Open Wheel Magazine, and that was great. And then moved on uh, with, with Trackside. Yeah, you and with, I both wrote for yep, Dean yep. and 
Yep. Bones. With, with Bones yep. and whatever. I, I Two even great guys. A, I even, uh, Jim Paternoster restored a... Uh, yes. A, a car, a, not not a Super. I did I did one of them. Yeah. But he had a Camaro. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And I did that for Auto Week. Yep. That was in an Auto Week. I remember field. that. So, you know, it worked out good. But then, unfortunately, I worked for General Motors. And after 15 years, they decided to close the Syracuse plant. And they transferred me to Buffalo. Well, you know, I made it a a fact to, you know, to every Saturday I'd drive, you know, from Buffalo to Oswego for the races. And it wasn't that big of a deal. It's not that far, you know, 150 miles. Yeah. And I continued that on for a year. But then the plant I worked at is an engine plant. And they build a lot of engines, up to a million a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? And wow. they have what they call mandatory overtime. No. Where you have to work Saturdays, so many Saturdays a month. And then there was Sundays available. So with the mandatory Saturdays, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I had to drop out of it. And they said, well, you can still write in that. I said, no, no, no. If I ain't there, if I'm not seeing it firsthand, I'm not going to write about it. Right. Hearsay doesn't work, in, in, right. my, in my opinion. Right. You know, uh, but, and so I had to drop out of it. And uh, I did pick up a little gig at uh, 103.7 The Edge in the Buffalo doing a 15-minute spot in the morning, uh, Monday mornings on racing in the area. No kidding. In NASCAR. I yeah. Know you did that. Shred and Reagan's show. Yeah, That's man. Funny. Oh, hot deal there. It was an alternative rock station. Yeah, I really, <laughs> I really, I really belonged there, didn't I? <laughs> Not quite your style. No, no. You know, but it was great. Because when when all the shows would come into town, you know, all the metalheads and that would 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 go after yeah. them that worked at the studio, and and like when Bonnie Raitt would come in, I'd have no problem getting three four tickets to the show. Oh wow! You know, third row center for Bonnie or one of the other ones that came in. So it worked out fantastic. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I just uh, kind of quit writing then. And now, as most people know, <laughs> Facebook is my forum. And, yes, and. Uh, <laughs> And you're still the whack. Yeah, and the, and the controversy continues. Yes, me and you spar regularly, but it's all it's all in good fun. Look, that's the thing is yeah. is is you know you've never been afraid to say what you think, yeah. and you know I always I may not have always agreed with it, but I always admired that you even when you were writing, you know your columns. It was basically you know I don't mean, what did you call your column? I can't remember what it was. Race tracking. Race tracking. That's right. Uh, you know I used to read it all the time, and and I I just. I always loved the honesty, and at first, that I, I kind of adopted that probably to a fault at first, and you know, I, it's one of those, you know, even my early radio shows, you look back and you kind of go, "Gosh, uh, maybe I shouldn't have," but um, you know, everybody's got to learn, and you know, now I think I still do it, but I just do it a little more tactfully. Uh, and Absolutely. I think I, and, and actually, I'll be, you know, it, 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 there are those moments when. Like, Linda O'Brien, I forgot what I wrote about. I wrote something, and somehow the Speedway, I criticized something or whatever. And Linda called me, and she said, you know what? She goes, I don't have a problem with what you wrote. She said, because honestly, I can't disagree with any of it if I look at it the way you wrote it. But she said, the only thing I wish you would have done is you, you should have called us for our perspective. And, you know, again, I needed that, you know, that that was the training as a young writer, a young journalist that you've... You know, you got to learn to, you know, um, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm happy that uh, 
Romy and, and, and George and Doug, at least still acknowledge me when I see them. And, uh, you know, but it's, um, again, that those were great days. And, um, you know, I think the, the perks that you got, um, you know, obviously sitting in the tower, fine, free food, great. My favorite perk of doing what I do has always been the people. And so to be able to, you know, for example, after 40 years or whatever, sit here at the Wax Shack um, and, you know, have this conversation to me is a, is a, is a joy and it's a treasure and, um, you know, happy that we had a chance to finally get together and do this and hopefully we'll be able to do it again sometime. Absolutely, Tom. My pleasure. And uh, as you say, anytime, my friend. Well, uh, it has been fun, and we hope that uh, you've enjoyed this little conversation with uh, Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider Air Shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at Strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we wrap up episode 37 for this week. And again, um, really appreciate you all Hanging in there with us. Uh, I don't want to get away without one last little bit of a prop, basically, um, you know, or a uh, a compliment, a, a sincere compliment. You know that we have uh, several sponsors for this show, and all of them are family as far as I'm concerned. We have Jeff West from IPC Indie, Indie Performance Composites, uh, ipcindie.com. We have Rich Worth, uh, JNS Paving, and we also have Skip's Fish Fry, which is Sean Cathcart and his staff. Uh, Sean, um, as in, in, in my opinion, has gone way above the call of duty in this particular week here. Uh, as you know, of course, part of the reaction to the announcement of the virus and all of the panic and the closings and all of that, uh, there was a shortage of toilet paper. Um, Sean stepped up to help the citizens of Oswego meet that need. And Sean ordered a large quantity from his supplier and has been not selling it, giving it away. Um, I think, and I hope I'm not getting myself in trouble here, but I think the way that I understand it, it was maximum four rolls. Um, and uh, don't hold me to that. But on top of that, something that many of you probably don't realize Sean actually went over to the St. Luke's Apartments, uh, which is where my mom lives, and donated one roll of toilet paper to every one of the residents in the apartments there, which I just thought was an incredible goggly gesture, and I just want to take a moment to thank Sean. If any of you are hearing this tonight, I don't know if he's going to have any left by the time this, this airs. Um, but, uh, 
you know, you can feel free to uh, message him on Facebook or if you have his number, call him. Um, if he's got any left, obviously, just uh, go pick it up. Um, but uh, I just thought that was amazing. And, you know, I have my, obviously, my feelings like the rest of us do about a lot of this. Um, but, um, you know, let's just say that uh, at this point, uh, we all need to come together as a people and we all need to do what has been asked of us and required of us. And part of that is helping your neighbor. And that is exactly what Sean did. So thank you to Sean Cathcart. We really uh, appreciate your uh, your gesture and your thoughts and, and um, just your your caring attitude. I mean, that was that was incredible and i'm proud to know sean and proud to have sean as a sponsor of the show so with that uh we will wrap things up for this week uh some interesting guests already lined up for the next uh, two three weeks so excited about that again we're going to try to do our best to keep this going as much as we can book guests through this period we're going to book them we're going to have stories we're going to talk about things um who knows we may even talk about other things besides super modified racing but we want to we want to be a source of some sort of relief and entertainment for you and and just hopefully make you smile so um to everybody who's listening to this show thank you please share it as usual please go to the uh, inside groove facebook page leave a review if you uh, would do that the positive review all of those things help um you know comment as you will if, if there's somebody that's driven the number 37 that i didn't mention at the beginning of the show please go in there and put it in there that's the whole idea of this is to get you guys involved um so have a great day everybody have a great weekend please be safe and be smart and do what you're being told to do for now um for whatever reason uh, and and i i'm gonna try to look at the bright side here and say that all of this that we're doing is so far keeping the fatalities very low at this point and i'm praying that it holds that way so um you know continue to uh to pray for for positivity here and that we can get through this um, you know, as, as soon and with as little, uh, you know, catastrophic effect as, as possible. And, um, you know, let's all rally around each other. That's really where we need to be here. So again, have a great day. Have a great weekend. God bless everybody. Uh, for Camden proud. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks again to rich Macko for his time and God bless. We'll see you next week on Inside Groove. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.